Hey boy, dinner time. I got you this brand new thing. Look at this, chicken and veggie dinner. Here we go. Oh, huh, wow. Okay, kind of looks like Cocoa Puffs. That's weird, it's really weird. That's too bad actually. Well, the good news is I have someone who can tell me how to find something a little better on today's Authentic Avenue. The Farmer's Dog, known for bringing human-grade food to your dog's bowl. Meet Eric Tsitsilin, their head of brand. He serves as a challenge to big kibble and a change to an industry which he believes has merely marketed your mutt's meal rather than made it markedly better for far too long. Today, I sit down with Eric and blow the cover off the assumptions of what your pet's diet should look like. So roll over and enjoy as I get real with The Farmer's Dog and Eric Tsitsilin. Full disclosure, I don't have a dog. I really want one, but I don't have one. And if I did have one, I've got this pretty set in stone thinking for what their meal every day or multiple meals might look like. Kibble in a bowl. Well, I think today we're gonna blow the top off of that. I'm here with Eric Tsitsilin from The Farmer's Dog, who's gonna teach me a thing or two about not only that bowl, but maybe a whole industry. But Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. How you doing? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Thanks. So yeah, I, I we we had a brief pre-conversation, and 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 listeners, you know, I do that so that we have the best conversation here possible. But you know, when I had first explored this category, I mean, how many freaking kibbles and bits commercials do I remember from like childhood watching Nickelodeon? I'm thinking, all right, your dog, and and, and then you'll see like memes these days, which are like, oh, d dogs, you know, after eating like the the thousandth meal of the exact same thing, oh, delicious, and they just dive into it no matter what. I want to learn, first of all, from you, because you have a super rich background, super high education, like wow, coming to the farmer's dog, what about it uh, really inspired you to join on? And do you have a dog yourself? I hope you do. You have to, right? I do, yes. I have a, uh, a stubborn, adorable French bulldog named Perry. Love it. Um, yeah, and you know, I definitely did not uh, ever imagine that I would end up in the <laughs> world of pet food. Um, I, I've always been in sort of the brand strategy, marketing, communications realm, uh, mostly on the agency side, but um, stumbled upon the the farmer's dog. Uh, we're a New York-based company. That's that's where I live, and you know, a, a few things really drew me to it. Um, first was uh, I think first and foremost was the the authenticity of of the founders, um, and and of the people. Uh, on the team, there was, you know, I mean, every every company says that they have a mission and a purpose, but you could really see it and feel it that they were in this um, for the dogs and for for the health of dogs, uh, the actual health of dogs. Um, and, you know, just getting a window into some of the customer feedback uh, they were receiving on a daily basis was just mind blowing, like how transformational of an impact uh, the product they were having was. Um, you know, the second thing was, um, as, uh, as a recent dog owner myself at the time, um, I knew how much passion there was in the category, in the realm of pet care, um, and, you know, how much money was, was spent, um, and often on the wrong thing, uh, because people were being misled. Um, and so, you know, that, that, uh, notion of, having a clear enemy of sorts, whether it's misleading marketing from the big kibble industry or, 
you know, people's own inertia or, or lack of true understanding. Um, that was a really exciting uh, challenge for me as sort of a brand and marketing person to tackle. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. And, and third, quickly, um, was just the, the business model. Um, I was a little bit weary of, uh oh, another, you know, food subscription service. Um, a lot of the human meal kits were, were struggling at the time. Um, but what I, what I saw was pretty extraordinary that the, the, the model, the business model of the farmer's dog didn't come from wanting to make, you know, a direct to consumer subscription brand. It came from wanting to make a better product that actually made dogs healthier. Um, and they realized the best way to do that. And the only way to make that kind of product was through, uh, a subscription model, because that's how we could get fresh food to people, um, in a short window of time on a recurring basis. You know, it also helps the dogs are very predictable eaters. So, you know, I thought it was a really, really smart, um, business innovation. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about, um, what would be predictable in, within, in pets. So I, I want, oh man, there's so much to unpack there because we talk about big kibble, we talk about potential enemies. I'm like, damn, all right, we're starting out, we're starting out hot, but like, why? So what, what, why is it, why are they an enemy? Like, what is it about why is Big Kibble so bad? I mean, obviously, this is why you've joined this business and led a brand to fight against it. But why is why is that so? But what's misleading about it? I think um, I think it ultimately comes down to the fact that for the past many decades, um, most of the innovation in the pet food industry has been in marketing, <laughs> and and marketing um, increasing. Um, exaggerations of freshness and health and, you know, gorgeous ingredients flying around and, you know, the, the Thanksgiving like spread of, of a roast chicken um, and fresh caught salmon and, you know, the analogy of a dog as this wolf who eats fresh meat. Right. And yet for those same many decades as the marketing has evolved, what ends up in the dog's bowl is still sort of a brown mystery pellet that's really, really highly processed. Um, and, and that's ultimately it, right? There's just this disconnect between how pet food has been marketed um, and how that's evolved with the reality of what goes into the product and, and how it's made. Um, and, you know, one of our primary aims is to, um, you know, make that clear to people um, and show just how differently uh, pet food looks and smells and tastes when it's when it's actually food and, and it's still pet food right it's still optimized for dogs nutrition um, and has their specific needs in mind you know not all of the ingredients we use are necessarily ones that a human would love right like say a beef liver or a chicken liver or something right um, but it's still something of human quality and safety um, but built for dogs yeah you know you bring up a, a pretty good point here i and again, listeners, Eric, I'm not a dog owner, but that's when I've seen these commercials, he said, what do I see? Happy golden retriever running through the backyard. Oh, and all this and, and the, and the, and full like vegetables and like little chunks of meat. And then, oh, excellent. That sounds great. looks like that dog's having a happy life. And then again, at the end of the day, still all I think about is like, shoot, what do I think about when I think about dogs eating? I think about them like being clumsy and flipping the bowl. And then there's all these, like, as you said, mystery brown pellets rolling all over the floor. You know, that's what I think about when I think of like dog having a meal doesn't seem doesn't seem lined up kind of seems like marketing has been what's been innovated on the most and 
you know, listeners, you may agree with me, you may, me, you may not, but hey, I'm not a dog owner. This is just what I see. This is just me, your average consumer talking who sees these things on television. Um, so, okay, c- explain to me then like the the service that the farmer's dog provides. So this is real food, but you obviously can't package, you can't process it like big kibble. And I like how you put that. So what what do you do? So people subscribe to this. How, how does that work? Can you educate us a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. So you go to our site, uh, you fill out a bunch of information um, about your dog, uh, their breed, their activity level, their weight, any sensitivities. Um, and we're able to generate um, a meal plan for them uh, with a recommended number of daily calories. And then we create sort of then a subscription plan um, that gets you a certain amount of food at a regular cadence. Um, and it's, you know, already prepared, so there's no kind of cooking required. Uh, you just keep it in the fridge. Um, it's portioned out for your dog, and you just sort of feed it um, h- how you would any other any other pet food. Right, any other member of your family, other than it uh, probably gets fed on the floor as opposed to a table. Well, you know, that's another thing that really ticks us off is this whole notion of dogs as a family member. Of course it's true. Of course everyone loves their dog, hopefully. Um, no one needs to be taught or instructed on how to love their dog. But then you think about, right, okay, you have these kibble brands saying, feed your dog like family, treat them like family. But what are they actually providing, right? Again, these pellets in a tub in your garage. <laughs> yep, <laughs> one, right. One recent epiphany I had uh, that, that we had as a team was that, like, isn't it weird how pet food is often sold in, like, the hardware aisle, of grocery stores. So it's like you could buy, you know, I don't know, a, a, a mop and Drano and then also your pet food. <laughs> right. Exactly. It doesn't seem too family to me. It seems like that's a chore right next to cleaning the toilet. Exactly. And so, you know, what we try to do is we, we, we try not to communicate sort of fanciness and luxury. Like they're still dogs. Right. And that's why we love them, that, that they're not people. But um, we, we do think that the current standards of safety and quality um, are so egregiously low um, that we should at least meet, you know, a certain respectable standard, which for us is um, if it's safe for a human to eat, um, it, it's safe to go into our food. And um, we, we don't think that's a particularly high standard, right? Food, the human food world is also messed up. Um, but at the very least, it's ensuring a certain level of, of quality and, and safety that uh, we're comfortable feeding our own pets. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's, let me talk with you for a second about just the way that this comes out in the voices of like the people who are currently getting these customized meal plans. And by the way, that's great too, because I didn't even think about that. But like, obviously, I mean, I, I've, talking, I've talked to so many human meal brands. And that's the big thing. It's like, oh, well, I have this dietary restriction. I have this preference, blah, blah, blah. And and that is super popular. And dogs, the same way. I've talked to folks who are in dog genetics who know it's that way. Now, the people who do this and take advantage of this, it are they, if they're anything like you, which I hope they are, because I'm sure the consumers are modeled off of how you build the brand out, I would guess are talking positively about the experiences that they're having just the same as maybe they're saying like, I'm never going back to big kibble ever again. I mean, how do you harness this, this sentiment? Because, and maybe also tell me how are some of the ways in which you're having real conversations with people like this? Because my bet is it's kind of, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, but kind of both edges are helpful for you. I would, I would think, right? 
Yeah, I mean, every day we get proactive comments about just how life changing um, the, the food is for certain dogs. Um, literally dogs, you know, given weeks or months to live. And, you know, the owner tries this as just sort of a last ditch effort or, or a special kind of treat um, in the last days. And I'm not exaggerating, you know, years later, the, the dog um, who was given weeks to live is, you know, jumping around like a puppy. Um, it's, it's it's not necessarily that there's something magical and proprietary about the food. It's It's literally just fresh meat and vegetables, you know. Uh, and, and key vitamins in, in the right proportions. Um, but, you know, the fact that it can be so transformational is just sort of a further indicator to us about, you know, how horrifically bad <laughs> the, yeah. the, the status quo is. So let me get this straight. So, so you've seen stories of dogs who are on their deathbeds having a, you know, potentially dietarily induced, who knows, they will have fresh meat and vegetables I mean, and hopefully maybe because of that, a healthier like exercise or physical routine results because it's healthier. It, it just turns their entire life. I mean, this to me is like, this would be as if I were to like have somebody who like a person who were like horribly sick and then have some sort of like, I would associate that with like medicine. And this is, but you're telling me this is just food. This is literally just food. That's crazy. Literally. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's not every case. Um, we, we don't want to suggest this is literally a, a, a medication. Um but, you know, there's sort of a let food be thy medicine kind of philosophy. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, in, in many, many instances, we do see, see the impact just from a change in food. In fact, I mean, that was sort of the impetus for the founding of the company. Right. Um, our co-founder, Brett Podolsky, was grappling with um, just severe digestive issues in his Rottweiler puppy, Jada. Um, and, you know, it really wasn't until um, he just started cooking the ingredients that were you know on the pictured on the bags of all of these kibble brands but of course when he made it it was you know just real food yep and and truly i mean overnight she she, she was cured and, and that's what prompted uh, this kind of journey in, into the industry and um he, he partnered with jonathan our, our ceo and another co-founder um to, to really dig into this industry and, and also figure out um, how this sort of fresh homemade style food could be made at scale and, and serve every dog owner in the country. So now it's up to you to take this brand forward and grow it and tell this story. Right now I've seen, you know, within these pandemic times that we've had for basically this entire year, um, folks taking a, uh, a larger cut of uh, relative importance on personal health. And that could be getting outside. It could be eating better. I'm guessing this has translated well to dogs, but this seems like just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to, I don't know, upending the bowl, so to speak, of, of big kibble. I mean, like, what, what are your big plans? Because this, this kind of seems like a David and Goliath scenario. I mean, you're going up against folks like Nestle and other big, big, big people. Like, what's, what's the plans for what's next? Like, how do you take over the world here? Because it seems like every dog should consider, well, not them, maybe their owner, should consider something like this if it is so transformational. So, like, how do you get that out? Like, how does that word go out? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's funny you bring up the, the big conglomerates. Um, it's uh, ironic and, you know, kind of sad that um, the, the three conglomerates who own the majority of 
of pet food are uh, two chocolate companies. <laughs> yeah. Which of course is uh, toxic uh, to, to dogs. Um, and then the other is sort of a toothpaste uh, <laughs> dental health conglomerate. Um, Probably not great for dogs that either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's another, you know, again, uh, unfortunate, unfortunate reality um, of, of the industry. But um, yeah, it's it's a it's a exciting and challenging um, communications um, problem. Um, how we sort of wake people up to, to this reality um, and and make them open to trying our product in a way that doesn't um, guilt or shame or, or fear monger because we could easily devolve into that and and we try very very hard not to do that. Right, mostly because. We've all been duped, right? All of us have fed kibble, um, even our co-founders, right? At some point, um, and have been swayed by this by this advertising that we're talking about today. And so, uh, we really have to approach it, you know, directly um, and straightforwardly, uh, but you know, with some with some finesse and, and empathy. Um, and and that's where there's sort of a an interesting struggle. Also, I think as with any brand, right? It, it's really helpful to have this um, thing you're you're against or, or opposed to, and this thing you're not. Um, but you don't want to just be defined by what you're not. Um, you also want to be for something and, and stand for something. Um, and so I think our a lot of our messaging up to this point has been you know depositioning kibble and, and highly processed food. And what's exciting now is I think we've we have enough of a foundation that we can expand a bit beyond that and and introduce, you know, what the farmer's dog is and is about and stands for in addition to what we're against. Right. Yeah. That's, that's um, like, like I've mentioned before, like probably a double-edged sword, which could work for or against. And I'm thinking in the way consumers tell the story, probably good. And the way that you as a brand want to position, you don't just want to fear monger. You don't want to be like, oh, everything else bad. Farmer's dog, good. Like that's not a very sophisticated strategy, but it's something that, uh, you know, probably at a certain point is helpful. T- to what extent do the people who are already subscribing here serving as like a growth channel because that's got that's got to be where it starts right i mean that's got to be one of your most powerful engines out there absolutely um just the, the word of mouth um the just organic recommendations uh but you know we're still at a point where advertising and, and paid marketing is also uh, really really effective for us in, in introducing the brand and the product so it, it's definitely a balance but um yeah, I, I think people organically uh, talking about it and, and talking about their own experiences um, is a really, really powerful driver. Interestingly, we have encountered some instances where um, people are a bit hesitant um, to to recommend or to talk about it. Um, really? Why would that be? Well, I think it's it's a little bit of this being quite a personal choice. Um, you know, I, I, I would liken it maybe to sort of uh, what you choose to feed your human baby. Mm, okay. um, and, you know, it might be uncomfortable to make it seem like you're, you know, imposing a certain choice in that realm on someone else. Got it. So just by giving a recommendation, you don't want to seem like overbearing and almost like right. a judgy of other people's decisions right. if they're different from your own. Okay, got it. Um, and I think the other is just um, the the reality of our current price point uh, relative to most dry products. Um we, we are more expensive. Um, 
most of that comes from the the quality of of the product that we're making but i think there there could be some hesitancy to um to to recommend something at that price point but you know that's also part of our job is to um enlighten people about the value and and why it's worth it um in in the grand scheme of things well, and that makes sense too, though. I mean, if I if I were to compare that to like human food, like, and I'm not exactly sure. I'm I'm rapidly trying to think of a food that kind of looks like dog kibble. Like, I, if if every human in America were happy and satisfied with three bowls of I don't know cocoa puffs every single day, yeah. like, sure, they'd spend a lot less. And and like maybe if that were the baseline, and then meat, what? I mean, I see that that's just sitting over there in the pasture. I'm not gonna eat that. Like, yeah, that could probably create some like judgment. But I and I understand that too. That that's a real that's a real thing. I mean. You know, I'm sure that there there's a decent number of the population that like can't always afford that. I mean, that's something that's just a reality that we have to yeah. deal with. But, you know, hopefully in time, like as pet health becomes as, as it sounds like what you're saying is as the standards rise, like so like that tide will lift all all boats is sort of what you're saying. Totally. And and for us also, it, it, we're truly in it to make dogs healthier um, and to make fresh food accessible. And so. Uh, when, when a prospective customer or a current customer says to us, look, I, I, I can't afford this right now. Um, I'm going to try home cooking. We're like, awesome. Here's some tips. Here's a recipe. Um, and, you know, we, we would certainly prefer someone leave us and start home cooking or even, you know, move to a, a, another uh, fresh product uh, than, than go back to something really, really highly processed. You know, of course, we would prefer them to stay as part of our family and, sure. and always working to understand, you know, what are the barriers um, to to adoption. Um, but, you know, that, that makes us happy too to kind of just enlighten um, and, and expand the fresh food market. Yep. And that, that will rise all, all boats here. Um, oh, so... What's next, Eric? I mean, like, what what do, what are you all doing next that you think will be the next step to sort of whether it's broader market penetration, whether it's lifting these standards, how you can do so proactively? I mean, what are you all thinking about as as the uh, as the world you know continues to recover from this pandemic, but upon whom like health and nutrition is still going to be very much important? Yeah, um, you know, I, I do think there are uh, certain trends and patterns in our favor in terms of. Um, you know, people generally becoming more open to ordering things and, and food in particular online. More people are, are getting dogs and spending time with their dogs, which um, we yeah, is that kind of scary? I mean, a lot of people are doing that right now. I've heard of like almost out of boredom. You know what I mean? And I hope that yeah. and, and, and for a while there, it was a big problem. Like they were returning dogs that just didn't know how to handle. And like, that's got to just break your heart. I, I, I mean, as somebody who's not a dog owner, I'd want to start out responsibly. And that was just that was like a color of this whole thing that I just did not like. Yeah, no, I mean, on the one hand, it was amazing to see that, you know, rescues and shelters were emptying out. Um, but yeah, if, if you weren't, you know, sort of truly prepared uh, to, to take on a pet, that is um, unfortunate. Right. Um, but, you know, for those that, that are sort of committed to it, um, I think we're seeing they are becoming more conscious of, of their choices. Um but in terms of going forward, um, you know, we've we've been able to achieve a lot of success with pretty much one product. I mean, we have multiple sort of proteins and, and recipe options, but um, we've really been laser focused on this fresh food subscription service. Um, and we've really just scratched the surface of 
um, of the dog owning population um, in the country. And so I think continuing to just understand what's getting in the way um, of, of people from, from trying fresh food and, and moving to a fresher, healthier product um, will, will continue to be our obsession, I think. Um, and, you know, I think in parallel to that, also thinking about what are the other realms um, of, of pet care and pet nutrition where there's misinformation and misunderstanding and, uh, you know, what are the products and services out there that make us as angry um, as, as kibble does, <laughs> right? Uh, which to me is always a, a great starting point for an innovation. Yep, totally. So let me then, let me round out here with a, with a question that might seem a little big, but um, it's something that I think based on our conversation might be actually rather easy to answer. So uh, folks who are going to tune into this show are aspiring brand builders themselves. And I think a lot of folks see a gap between the way that perhaps big legacy players market and the, this idea of like just getting real with people. Bridging this gap, uh, and what I've been workshopping this as, is bridging this gap to true brand humanity, and, and maybe authenticity plays into that. Um, what would be your... Uh, now, you've been able to steward this brand forward and sort of blow the lid off of a part of the industry, which probably those big three would like you to stay quiet about. I mean, you've been able to do it in your category. What is some general advice you give to folks who are maybe attempting to do that in the category of their own? Yeah, I think... Um... I think it does ultimately start with the, the product. Um, as I said, right, uh, the, the goal was to improve um, what pet food is and sort of completely reimagine what it is and, and how it's made. Um, and then that led to a certain business model um, and a certain voice um, and, and a certain brand philosophy. Um, and so I think all too often we think of brand as, you know, this, this pretty layer of design um, that we put on top of, uh, of a product that can be sort of a commodity or, or inferior. Unfortunately, I think that's, that's what's happening a lot in, in the direct-to-consumer space. Uh, you know, you're just taking something that um, isn't really improving upon a product, but, you know, putting a cute logo and brand identity on it and, and calling it an innovation. So I think if you start with, you know, a real problem, a real miss, a mission, create a meaningful product innovation um, that, that solves that problem, um, you then have a really solid foundation on which to build a brand. Um, and and, and that's, what, that's what really appealed to me about the farmer's dog ultimately is that there was that substantive foundation um, and that just makes building a brand around and on top of it, um, that much more exciting, that much more authentic and, um, in, in some ways easier. I, I don't, it's certainly not easy, but, um, it's certainly helpful to start with, um, the truth as your message. <laughs> yeah, really seriously. It's the, it's the easiest thing to say. It's to say. And then, you know, find creative ways of, of telling the truth, uh, which is how I see my, my role. Um, then, you know, trying to invent some, some marketing story. I think, you know, that can help for a little while, but ultimately I think people are smart and, and you're found out. Oh yeah. I mean, the, Hey, consumer skepticism is something else that I've, I've assessed to be sort of an all time high and it will only get more aggressive 
and serious, you know, even among, especially among the youngest sect of consumers out there. So, um, great advice there, by the way. I, it's so exciting to, uh, to sort of learn about this from you specifically, because a lot of times, like I'll, I'll talk to folks who are leaders of like industry titans. Honestly, they're, they, they've got a pretty protected position, uh, whether it's uh, leading a category or um, just being a, a sort of a thought leader generically. And I don't get as real as I did today. So I really appreciate that. Thank you for joining me, telling the story of Farmer's Dog, helping me blow the lid off the category a little bit. And uh, who knows, maybe someday I'll talk to one of those other big three and uh, I'll put their feet to the fire a little bit. Who knows? <laughs> that might be an interesting conversation. I look forward to that. <laughs> Me too. Uh, But for now, and for everything that you've shared on today's show, Eric, thank you so much for joining me. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Really, really enjoyed it. The campaign continues to get a dog. I sadly still don't, but if I did, I feel like I'd want them to have the same quality of food that I enjoy, and so I'm glad there's an option out there which lets me do that. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, The Farmer's Dog. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also find me at these places, LinkedIn at Authentic Avenue or just Adam Connor. I'm there too. Twitter at Authentic Av, Instagram at Authentic Av Media. And you can also write me directly, Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Say hi. Recommend a guest. Just tell me what you're thinking so far. Say something. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.